0: Sometimes people listen to our message and they walk away thinking, that's exactly what I need for my spouse to do. If if he or she would just do that thing, we would have an amazing intimate relationship. Yep. But there's no point in focusing on what we think others should or shouldn't do. The only person we can improve is ourselves.
1: Yep. And in listening to today's episode, well, like actually when you listen to all of our episodes, really.
0: Let's go with all of them.
1: It's really crucial to approach it with a focus on yourself. If you listen introspectively and apply the lessons that we're going to share with you guys today, I'm certain that you'll feel more peace in your relationship and a lot less anxiety in your relationship.
0: So, what is this topic today, you ask? The topic for today is needing versus wanting. We're going to talk about why needing creates this barrier to intimacy. And we'll also look at why wanting feels somewhat terrifying and unsettling. Lastly, we're going to explore why it's important to embrace the idea of wanting and how to actually do it.
1: So this is a surprisingly deep concept and this may be one of those episodes that you choose to listen to a couple of times. It's certainly something that we've delved into pretty extensively between the two of us. We've invested a lot of time into understanding and applying it. So we're excited to share it with you today. Let's get started. Did you know the average couple waits six years to get help in their marriage?
0: Yeah, that's six years of pain, hurt, and frustration.
1: Hi there, I'm Charlotte Snow.
0: And I'm Robert Snow.
1: And welcome to Master Your Marriage.
0: Where we believe that having an amazing marriage should never feel like hard work and shouldn't be a guessing game.
1: This is the show for married couples who want to discover a scientifically proven approach to building a masterful marriage and have fun while doing it.
0: So if that's you, you're in the right place. Let's dive in.
1: So this is a big, complex topic and a really important one. I've actually spent days agonizing over how to give it proper importance today, while also really hopefully trying to make it easy to understand.
0: Yeah, and I think if you asked anyone, they would say that they want to feel pursued. They want to feel chosen. They want to feel desired, even when they do things that are sometimes undesirable being wanted feels great and our egos actually love it. But at the same time, we're afraid of wanting someone else. So why is that?
1: Yeah. These concepts that we're talking about today are threads of a greater fabric woven together with other topics like differentiation and honesty and vulnerability, all concepts that we've touched on already.
0: Yeah. Our hope today is that we'll pull on each of these threads to unravel how they're connected, and how they're essential to having a deeper connection with the one that we love.
1: But first, I want to share an experience that I had this week. So I was in a coaching session with a client, and she said to me, you know, I promised myself that I would be totally honest with you. That's good. And then she continued, as I've been confronting myself, I see a very dark part of me. Oh, A part of me that doesn't want good things for my husband. This part of me is okay with my own pain and misery because it keeps him, in a way, suffering and miserable too. So this part of her carried all of the resentment. It was the part of her that said, I know I'm hurting him and I just don't care. And this part didn't want to accept any responsibility for her role in the pattern that was going on in their relationship. It was like a little child that was stopping its feet and refusing to feel any sort of kindness or empathy for her partner.
0: Yeah, that's, that's tough. And, you know, if we're all being honest with ourselves, that almost childlike immaturity exists at times within all of us. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we only hear it in our thoughts and sometimes we see it in our behaviors. In every interaction, we have the agency to choose which version of ourselves to recruit for that specific moment. Will we recruit the best in us or the worst in us? Which part wins out in the moment?
1: Now, what does this have to do with our topic today? Coming back to our topic of wanting and needing. Wanting and needing are very similar in on the surface. They're almost like flip sides of the same coin. Okay. But wanting comes from the best in us, like we were just talking about. We all have the best and the worst in us, right? Needing, on the other hand, comes from the worst in us, which means it's kind of easy to do it because it's like the default. It's easy to need, but wanting is different. It requires something more from us.
0: Oh, okay. Well, when couples lack emotional and psychological maturity, they don't have great self-regulation. So they use their partner to regulate their own insecurities and emotions. They use a controlling position within their relationship to get a partner to be a certain way, and as long as their partner does so, they feel stable, safe, and secure. So, do we have any examples
1: of what this is like? Yeah. So, for example, let's talk about people pleasing. Oh, yeah. yeah people pleasing is, what... is a as a way that some people do this. So, Mr. Nice Guy, let's meet Mr. Nice Guy. We know him. He's someone who needs to be needed because he's actually deeply insecure in himself. So he has a daily to-do list of everything he needs to accomplish around the house and for work. He works in the garage, mows the lawn, changes the oil in both cars, and then he leaves the house to go over to a friend's house to help this friend move.
0: We need one of these guys in our life. Everybody does.
1: <laughs> he's, the, he's the guy that always says yes to anyone who ever asks for help. He's accommodating. He accommodates everyone. But he's also quietly the guy who's holding lots of resentment for all of these things that he does. And he holds resentment towards his wife when he isn't praised sufficiently for his good deeds. Mm, And he uses these deeds sort of as a weapon or like leverage to get more praise and more validation. But it's never enough. Everything, his happiness and everything hinges on his need to be needed. So consequently, he struggles with intimacy. He struggles to be vulnerable and his sexual desire for his wife has become almost non-existent because of this.
0: Oh, so Mr. Nice Guy has a lot of hidden problems. Consequently, when they don't get the praise that they're accustomed to, that they experienced in their are growing up, they try to control their partner so that their partner fits into their model of the world.
1: So how is this familiar?
0: Oh, I don't know. I had a lot of praise growing up.
1: <laughs> and how much praise did I give you when we first got married?
0: Uh maybe not as much as I wanted.
1: Right. And was that a little bit unsettling that you didn't get what it was you needed? Yes. yes, Did did you create some meanings around that?
0: Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like what? Well, I mean, you know, if you didn't praise me, then I sort of felt more vulnerable. I felt like you didn't love me because I was used to those words of appreciation being like this way that I was told that I was loved and appreciated and cared for.
1: Right. So our needy, we'll call it neediness. Yeah. That was, or neediness. was really just like needing our model of the world to be replicated in our relationship.
0: Yeah. It needed to be reinforced. Mm-hmm. The needing needed to be reinforced.
1: So I'll point the pink finger back at myself now. Um, because of maybe my background, I used a lot of manipulation in the early years of our marriage because for me, I really needed him to agree. I needed him to, I needed, to be right in in just about every context. I needed him to agree with me. And so, yeah, this was another way that my neediness showed up in immature ways in, in our relationship from my side. So there's a lot of ways we use our needs as a way to manipulate or control or to do something in a way that isn't fair or virtuous. and And that causes us to go back and recruit again that lower version of ourselves in order to get what it is that we want.
0: And the idea that we need our partner to make us happy or whole breeds this entitlement and and control. It makes you think that you're owed love, that you're owed desire, no matter how undesirable you may actually be behaving, it inherently sets up a system where resentment is going to become a part of the equation. And it's it's inevitable.
1: Yeah. I think that's the thing with needs. We're not needs, but like this neediness that we're talking about, where we need our partner to conform, to make us feel okay, is that we're setting up a system that is inevitably going to end in resentment because they're never going to be able to deliver a hundred percent of the time.
0: Right. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. So needing is deceptive. It can feel like wanting, But it comes from, again, that part of us, that immature part of us, the worst in us. And it also really stems from a poorly developed self, where we need our partner to soothe our anxiety, to boost our ego, and in my case, constantly agree with us. And needing puts these undue demands on the other person, and it puts this pressure on the relationship system. And as it does that, it can kill intimacy, and as a side note, we talked about this many episodes again. This is one of the biggest reasons why people have problems with sexual desire in their relationship.
0: Because of the neediness?
1: Because they need their partner to fulfill their sense of self. They need their partner to boost them up, to to make them okay, to make them feel insecure. So because it is fleeting and that fluctuates and it's not 100% always there, the minute it's not, the sexual desire goes away.
0: Yes. Their partner's not booing them up. Correct. So wanting is different than neediness. So wanting is not about needing your partner to do something for you, like paying attention to you or making you feel secure. Wanting comes from what is the best in us. Wanting is wholeheartedly choosing the other person with all of their weaknesses.
1: So that's key. That's something you want to remember. Wanting is choosing this other person, choosing them into your life. That's really important. Absolutely. Sometimes, though, wanting can cause us to feel vulnerable. It can cause us to feel longing. And longing is sort of vulnerable, isn't it?
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know?
1: And and this is another reason why couples can struggle with wanting because it is uncomfortable at times.
0: We don't want to be uncomfortable, though. No. 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 We're always searching for comfort.
1: And that means we have to, if there is discomfort in wanting, that means we have to be able to stabilize ourselves when we're uncomfortable rather than requiring our partner to stabilize us. So that means we have to soothe our own anxieties when our partner is imperfect. We have to regulate our own emotions rather than depending solely on our partner to do it. We have to be able to handle our own discomfort because there's going to be way more discomfort in wanting than there is in needing.
0: So that's the key, right? The key is that we have to be able to soothe ourselves and we have to be able to manage our own discomfort, not constantly be saved from that discomfort and um, always be protected from it because then how do we grow? Right, 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 right. But the beauty in wanting is this. Wanting is the only way to have genuine care and concern for the other person's best interests. That's when you can take yourself out of the equation and truly see what is best for the other person. It is difficult to choose the best for a partner when our own neediness is in the way. Wanting is when you can really support your partner's goals and interests, even when those interests don't exactly align with your interests.
1: Yeah, and that's, that's what makes it scary, Yeah, right? What if what's in the best interest for Robert isn't necessarily what I want? So this is, again, where neediness gets in the way, because if I'm more focused on what I want right from you to do for me, then how can I put your best interests sometimes ahead of myself?
0: Yeah. If I if you need something from me, then
1: yeah, then that doesn't work. So that that's neediness, right? That's that's the scary part about wanting is wanting is that it puts us into more of a vulnerable position. There's a risk, right? There's a risk of injury in wanting that we're gonna be rejected or that we're gonna have to give up something that we want our partner to fulfill in us. And That's why it takes a lot of work and a lot of self-management to let yourself want. So how do we know if we're in a state of needing or wanting? Good question. One way is to ask yourself questions like, where am I still thinking? We talked last week about thinking and thoughts, right? Where am I still thinking things like, if only you, Robert, would do this thing, then I would be okay or I would be happy or I would do something, right? That type of phrasing presupposes right off that if your partner simply changed something that you would then be a better version of yourself. So that's not really what a mature position would be. A mature position would just simply act from the best version now rather than waiting for your partner to change.
0: Yeah, that's the um, you know, if you do X then I'll feel better. Right. Right, waiting for your partner to do something so that you can feel stable and comfortable in Confirmed okay. or mm-hmm. or whatever right, about yourself.
1: What are some other questions we could ask?
0: Um, you could also ask yourself, where am I blaming my partner? Mm-hmm. Um, where do I where do I change them so that they can you know manage my stress or anxiety? Um, or you could ask, how does my how does my focus on my partner's behaviors and feelings and and desires conflict with the person who I want to be?
1: Okay, wait. So this is where it gets a little bit confusing because does that mean? That we should just be accepted and adored and desired exactly as we are, no matter how selfish or self-serving we're being?
0: Well, no, I mean, that doesn't make sense, right? Because your partner always has a choice. They aren't forced to stay with you or even in any situation. And if they can't accept their partner as they are, then we need to probably make a choice. But that choice doesn't involve us trying to control them. That's not fair.
1: Yeah. And this is where I think choosing also has to do with like us choosing to show up as the best version of ourselves, because knowing that our partner isn't locked into us, we still want to show up as the best version of ourselves for the friendship, for the relationship, for the growth. Right. So, no, we're we're not deserving of of never ending Adoration, no matter how selfish we're being, because our partner still has their freedom; they still have their autonomy and their choice to leave.
0: But at the same time, they want. Yeah, but at the same time, wanting means, as as we use that example from one of our other clients, wanting means, you know, accepting and and still choosing them, warts and all, mistakes and all, right? So, so you can't just say that just because I'm doing these horrible things that they have to accept me. They don't, but. If they choose you, if they choose to be all in with you and they want you, then they accept that there are some things that are flawed, that are flawed, that we don't control, that we don't control. And we may or may not have a story about that.
1: So these things are, are obviously complicated, as you hear us kind of going back and forth. And they're complicated because we're human. Yeah. And I think they're complicated because we come into relationships with a lot of misconceptions about how relationships should be. And gosh, there's so many. Right. But I think some of the most dangerous misconceptions that make this harder than it needs to be is that people tend to feel like if they found the right person, then things should just automatically be easy. Or they have these beliefs that, again, this person should save me. Soulmate. Right. The soulmate notion that this soulmate of ours comes into our life to heal all of our wounds and fix our broken history. I mean, that's the makings of every Disney movie that we've ever seen. Right. So because we have these misconceptions, there's often a disillusionment process that happens in relationships once we figure out these things aren't true. Yeah.
0: So what is this disillusionment process? Well, it's a very normal process for all of us. Um, As you might remember, early on in our relationship, we thought that we were in love. But this feeling of love was mostly hormones that were creating this magnetism, desire, excitement, and what we thought was love but it was an immature love that was based on chemical reactions, not really knowing the other person. And I'll say that most people have this happening, right? Yeah, we do. Love is happening to you and it's mostly biological.
1: You know, and I'll say it's actually not a bad thing. No. It's a normal thing that happens to all of us that gives us a really great foundation to start our relationship.
0: Yeah. Well, and if you think about it, the farther you're on in your marriage, you just look back and you're like, man, I we knew so little about each other, right? <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh my gosh, we got married and we didn't yeah. know each other at all. I
0: mean, we didn't. We didn't know anything. We thought we did, but we only really knew. And here's the point: we only really knew this perfectly curated version of of the other person that we were allowed to see. So I was on my best behavior, and right, right and I never left my That's socks on the I'm floor, right. and 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 so I I curated this version to attract you, right? But also to show you the best sides of it. But
1: that wears off, Yeah, right? Mm, So that, that time period, then the disillusionment sets in and that's where things flip. Where in the first phase, we had love without knowledge. Now we have knowledge without love, right? We start to lose that feeling of love because we start to learn more things about each other. We start to gain knowledge about who this person is that we've partnered with. And we suddenly go, oh my gosh, they're flawed. Um, deeply flawed sometimes and sometimes we start to see things not only about them that we don't like but about ourselves you know that was the time period when I started to realize oh my gosh I'm my mother you know (laughs) like I
0: I I didn't say that
1: and I had no but you know I'm learning things about you a little more than about you than I wanted to know more about me that I than I wanted to know and you know this can hurt this can hurt because you might come to this point where because you've believed these misconceptions you get to this point thinking oh my gosh did i make a mistake like yeah. I, i've attached myself to this person who's deeply flawed and this person who has limitations and knowing that and recognizing that really hurts
0: I'm no longer my perfect prince in shining armor
1: yeah no more yeah. disney movies yeah
0: yeah and you're and if you're not prepared for this disillusionment process which most are not a lot of immaturity will come out and that's when the immature part of us starts to say stuff like You know, we start to lead with the you should comments like, well, you should know better. You should accommodate me. You should change. This isn't what I signed up for. Not at all. You owe me. Yeah, you owe me.
1: Yeah. There's a lot of that immaturity that comes out. And a lot of couples honestly get stuck right here at this point, expecting their partner to make them happy, expecting their partner to desire the same things they desire, want the same things to desire, not to desire what they don't want to desire. And so some couples just never reach that more mature attachment where they realize, oh my gosh, what is this really about? It's really about choosing. Like love is choosing, choosing wanting is choosing. It's choosing this person with their flaws and if you can get through the second phase, that's when you can actually choose love. Choose love. Mm-hmm. Really, choosing love is choosing to be in this partnership, choosing to be a friend to this person, even when it's sometimes inconvenient to make space for them, to make space for their desires, to make space for their interests. Sometimes it even involves supporting the other person's ideas that might seem indulgent to you, even if sometimes at a huge sacrifice to yourself. You know, as we were talking about this earlier, I was remembering back to when I was getting some additional training and certification to be able to start training and other coaches. And so I was doing my NLP trainers training certification, which is basically just going through this whole licensing process of starting an institution to train coaches. And it required me to leave to go to another state for several months. Yeah, that sucked. And that was something that he supported me and always have felt like he's always supported my ideas, even when they were hard on him, even when they were a huge sacrifice to you, which that was.
0: Yeah, that one was, that was rough. And it was summer too. So it's not like the kids were in school. So there was a lot to manage. I remember that. That was uh but, but I think that's just sort of, you know, we talk about the things that we want to do and, and, you know, we talk about the goals for the year and, and that was one of the things that you wanted to do. And even though I didn't necessarily, I didn't even think that I wanted much to do with that at that time. Like, I'm, but I knew that it was important to you and, and off we went.
1: But see, I, you can see how if your needs were more of a priority and that you, if you hadn't really wanted and chosen me and you were still dependent upon me to fulfill those neediness pieces in your life, yeah. I can see where you would have said, um no, this isn't going to work for me. Like I'm not going to support this because choosing someone sometimes means we we support things that are you know not what we want.
0: Yeah, and maybe not even not comfortable at times. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, comfortable and easy. Yeah. So choosing is also, you know, electing to bring our best version of ourselves in supporting a nurturing and meaningful friendship. And that's really what it's about. And sometimes that means challenging and asking each other to be maybe a little bit better so that we can be better for each other, to be better for the friendship, because friendship is really the foundation of a long-term committed relationship.
1: So I wasn't going to share this story. I think I'm going to go ahead and share it and see how it goes. There was this time, long time ago in our relationship, that I was having a little bit of a faith crisis, kind of. Um, not intensely, but it was hard because for us, our relationship from the very beginning, from the time that we dated through, you know, had becoming parents and having kids. I mean, we've we've participated in our church community from the time we dated, like it was part of our, our life.
0: Like it was a foundational point for us that probably.
1: We built our relationship. Yeah,
0: yeah. On. We built our relationship on the yeah. yeah foundation. I guess that makes sense.
1: And and so there was and it wasn't like major questioning, but there were some things that I was struggling with. And I remember thinking, "Gosh, how am I going to tell Robert?" Because, but the flip side of that is like honesty is really important to us. And even when it's hard to hear, I knew that I needed to be able to talk to him about it. And so I told him. And at first, it was kind of troubling for you.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I was like, oh, man, what does this mean? Yeah. like, Because, again, my foundation just all of a sudden got a little rocky. I was like, well, this is, this is not what I signed up for, mm-hmm. right? This is not what I wanted. But then, you know, as, as you as I look back now, when I say that say that out loud, like it's not what I signed up for, I don't know how many marriages have things that happened or they didn't sign up for. Probably all of them, right?
1: Right. But then it comes back to, okay, how do I still stand by and choose this person when they have desires that aren't my desires? And I think that happens all the time in relationships. And I just, I remember this point where we were laying in bed and, and I knew that you were struggling, but I knew I also needed to be honest and I was struggling. And it was just like, we laid in bed one night and you just said, well, this is still what I believe. And I said, I know, and that's okay. And this is still where I'm struggling to believe. And you're like, I know, and it's okay. And it was just this like beautiful moment that I look back at and remember like it was hard, but it was also this place of total acceptance of he knew that we both knew that we weren't doing exactly what the other person totally needed, but we were still choosing each other.
0: Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's probably the important part, right? That, and I don't know that I'm was amazing in that moment. I know that when you tell the story, it makes me sound awesome, but. But I still think that's it. I think we still choose each other because if it wasn't that thing, and by the way, in you know, in almost thirty two years, it's been a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. In in every in in your marriage, in your relationship, it's always going to be a thing. And so you just have to you have to learn how to not again when we talk about needing versus wanting, right? You have to you have to you choose in. You choose into that relationship. And, you know, it's not always perfect. And oftentimes it's a little bit, it's a little bit messy, mm-hmm. but you just say like, well, you know, I, I'm strong enough to stand on my own two feet without having to need her to prop me up in that relationship. Then I can, I think when I have that strength, then I can choose, then I can make another decision instead of just having the rug pulled out from underneath me, which we hear in a lot of relationships. So many people are just like, it was it, it was over. That was the straw that broke the camel's back. And I, I just, I don't think in a relationship's that you can have the rug pulled out from underneath you if you're standing on your own rug.
1: Good point.
0: If your partner's got a rug, they pull her rug. That's fine, right? Yeah.
1: And I just, I, as I look back to with that experience, I just it gave me the space and the autonomy to be able to explore the concerns that I was having and not feel judged for having them, to feel safe in in kind of exploring those ideas, which was was really important to me. So I guess what we're saying is that a great love is not a perfect love. A great love is a flawed one with two very flawed people. It's a place where we allow ourselves to really know and be known even the parts of us that are difficult to know. It's where we can and have to often calm ourselves down enough to embrace each other's questions, like in my case, or yeah. our failings or our scars Holy or guesses. even our weaknesses, or or, or even some desires that we're not okay with, like me going away for a couple of months. And we do that while still continuing to grow and quest for something better, a better friendship, knowing that we're still going to come up short again in the future. So maybe a great relationship is simply the ability to hold all of these polar opposite things in one place in this very tender and fragile place within the walls of our heart.
0: Mm. That's nice. Yeah. Well, the idea of being, of knowing and being known is at the core of being able to do this. As long as we only allow our perfectly curated version of ourselves to be seen and to be known, then we're never going to mature. Similarly, as long as we can only tolerate our partner's perfectly curated version that we've come to know, there cannot be any real honesty or growth. So we have to sort of peel back the layers, we have to allow ourselves to be seen. Mm hmm. Um, and we have to actually strive to know our partner on a deeper level. Uh, but you, I think you do that by choosing.
1: You do that through choosing. And yeah. you do that through um, being able to tolerate knowing the parts of our partner that we don't necessarily want to see. And right. and Absolutely. that can be hard. There may be things in their desires that, that we don't desire. And it's hard to sit with them and say, well, tell me why you desire this and tell me what's important to you about this. And really try to understand those desires when they're so opposite to your own. Yeah. Right. So, and
0: challenging to your, even your, I don't know, your mm, basis, right?
1: Your foundation. Yeah. So, we have to be able to really map each other and let our partner map us. We have to be willing to give the map to our inner psychological world, to our partner and them to us. And we have to keep these maps updated often. And this is really exposing and it's it's vulnerability, right? And in vulnerability, there's always the risk that we're going to be rejected.
0: That's the fear, I think. Right. Yeah.
1: But that's what living honestly is all about. And if you want that, if you want that living honestly, you have to be able to stop being needy. You have to be able to calm your own mind and your own heart so that you can handle the truth. If your partner has ideas or they have concerns, they have desires that make you uncomfortable, you're going to have to be able to handle that discomfort without coming across as judgmental and rejecting them.
0: Yeah. And after all, how can you really choose someone that you don't really know? Like, think about that. How can you choose each other when you only know the perfect parts of each other? This is why vulnerability and intimacy go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. This is also why the level of intimacy that you'll have in your relationship will be directly correlated to how much discomfort and vulnerability that you can handle. Yeah. It requires a lot from us to really know our partner.
1: So what some of you might be asking right now is how do I shift into wanting and choosing? Yeah. And honestly, the the answer to that question is almost always the same. Focus on yourself. Paying attention is the most important part of change, paying attention to where you're still needing instead of wanting, where you're not being totally honest or vulnerable with your partner, where you're unwilling to expose yourself.
0: But as an exercise, since some of you want an exercise, um, let's take the next 24 hours and then I want you to note down every time that you're focusing anxiously on your partner, like something that they're doing wrong or something that bothers you, right? Where are you blaming? Where are you trying to change them to manage your own anxiety? Uh, Where are you trying to manage their thoughts, emotions, or behaviors? It might be as simple as noticing how irritated you are by the way that he loads the dishwasher.
1: And then start to ask, what do I want to do instead? What would the person who is choosing love do in this instance? So after you do this exercise, take a look at your list and then just be aware of what's going on and be aware of how you can choose to love. And then give yourself a pat on the back for just looking inside of yourself for solutions rather than outside of yourself. And if this is something that you feel like you need more help with, this is something that we can help you with in private coaching sessions. But also if you're looking for a really good resource, I'd highly recommend the book Everything Isn't Terrible by Dr. Kathleen Smith. It's It's a great one to kind of help you open yourself up to more of these ideas.
0: Yeah, and we'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. Perfect. Well, it's time to wrap this up. And as always, thank you for being here today. Please consider subscribing to the show if you have not already. Just hit the follow button inside the player that you're currently listening on. And the best way that you can support us and our mission is to subscribe and leave us a five-star review.
1: As always, be kind to each other this week. Take care of each other. Put each other first. Remember, it's always the small things the small and simple things every day that create strong relationships.
0: Until next time. Thank you for listening to Master Your Marriage. If you have a topic you'd like us to cover, then we want to hear from you. Just go to MasterYourMarriagePodcast.com and send us your question.
1: Oh, and while you're there, you can also check out our retreats and events and even apply for coaching.
0: And make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you get advanced notice of when the next episode drops, plus show notes and many extras. Thanks again for tuning in.